0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. It's a blessing to be in the house of God this morning. So, if you will, stand to your feet if you're able. Let's worship the Lord.
1: service we are so glad that you are here on your way in you should have received a bulletin on there you will find our connect card if you are looking to get connected with the church we encourage you to fill out that connect card so we can get to know you if you have new contact information please fill out that connect card so we can keep you updated on the other side you will find our prayer card if you have anyone in your life who is in need of prayer please fill out the prayer card or visit our website at ljcc.org prayer. On your way out, you can drop these cards off in the foyer or the box mounted on the wall. Join us in spreading God's love to children around the world by filling a shoe box full of gifts for Operation Christmas Child. You can demonstrate God's love to people all over the world by packing boxes with practical items and special gifts. Shoeboxes and further information will be available on the patio on Sundays starting October 29th through November 12th. We'll see you there.
2: Well, good morning. Welcome to worship. Uh, We're going to be celebrating communion today. Uh, We have a special treat today. Randall Tonini will be preaching. And he's going to introduce his family when he comes up here. Uh, these are exciting times at La Jolla Community Church. Uh, we're celebrating Thanksgiving, Christmas and a baton pass. It's all, all leading up to a wonderful transition here uh, that will allow us to uh, celebrate uh, the last 18 years and prayerfully anticipate the next 18 years. And so uh, it's really a great day. Uh, We have just finished, uh, as of last week, a series where we're asking seven uh, primal questions. Uh, Questions like, you know, am I safe, am I secure, am I wanted, am I loved, am I successful? Uh, Do I have a purpose in life? Super important primal questions. And and the answer to those questions in our culture usually results in substituting something for God. So we're we're launching into a follow-up series uh, with just four words. And I can't remember what they are, but I'm sure they're going to be really good. And uh, uh, wealth is the first word, and then pleasure, then power, and then honor. These are the four big historic substitutes for God. Uh, a fellow named Thomas Aquinas, uh, a great leader in the early church, said, with all of our fantastic theology and the great news of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we offer the world is not something, instead of wealth or pleasure or power or honor, we offer the world the proper context for those things. That without the Lord, who answers the primal questions, uh, we will never understand wealth that lasts, pleasure that really satisfies, power that truly blesses other people, or, or honor that glorifies God in order to bless people. So that's what we're going to launch into today. Randall's going to be talking about wealth. What, what, what's, what does that look like when a community embraces the true wealth that God gives us? So that's where we're going to go today. Um, and for those of you who just got uh, our, our email about this transition, I know you might be in a bit of shock and awe. You're still processing it. It's been a long process and a careful process, a very thoughtful and prayerful process that has gotten to the, us to this point of... Um, a, a joyous decision and a joyous moment. And so in the next weeks, as I mentioned, as Randall and I mentioned in our letter together, uh, we'll be you know, answering questions. Uh, we'll be uh, interpreting what that's going to look like. We want to have a really strong and smooth transition. Uh, the, the, the combined effort, you uh, and, and Grace City, are, are going to be exactly what this community needs. What this community continues to need, and it's always has always needed, is um, a dynamic, uh, relevant, uh, faithful um, proclamation of the gospel, and so uh, that's what we're going to continue doing. Look at look around you for just a second. Look look at the 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 combination of people in this room, ages and stages, uh, professional capacities and aspirations. Uh, just the educational quotient of this room is off the chart. Most of you have finished junior high. Some of you high school. Um, <laughs> No, it's, we're thick here with people who have spent a big chunk of their life uh, 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 you know, immersed in learning. And together we're learning what it means to use those things that God has entrusted to us in our heart, mind, you know, uh, strength to serve Him, to serve Him well. Uh, look at the ages and stages, uh, how young and, and how old this congregation is. And so this is what the community looks like that we're in. This is what the community we've been serving looks like, and this is what the community that we will continue serving will look like. Imagine this place on Christmas Eve. It'll be filled with members of, of Grace City Church, La Jolla Community Church. We'll have a bunch of people that <clears throat> uh, we're going to get to see and uh, say, you know, good seeing you. It's been a year already, amazing. And so we're going to pack this place with people who are celebrating Christmas, and it's going to feel like heaven, but it's not. It'll just feel like it. But I think that moment is going to be catalytic for us. So as you're working through all your feelings, your thoughts, your questions, understand that when we get here on Christmas Eve, something profound is going to happen as it happens every Sunday. Jesus shows up. He speaks to our own personal needs. He shows us that we're part of something larger than our own personal needs. We're part of a community and that he's the one who fulfills our needs. So when you leave here on Christmas Eve and you celebrate the rest of the year, that next week, and you come back on January 7th, you're going to have a sense that, wow, I'm so fortunate, I'm so blessed that God has chosen me to be part of this next season, this next chapter in, in, in the life of this plot of earth. <laughs> because the people who have inhabited this place, this church was the first thing in the neighborhood. This is a tech center. There's 13 properties that were set aside by the city of San Diego to be a tech center. And they carved out four s- slots for churches. This is the first church. I have a great picture of the, of the first pastor of This church in a field of weeds before the church was built with his open Bible on his knees praying. We want to keep that legacy going, right? And so this is a, a wonderful moment for all of us. All of us should pinch ourselves and say, thank God that I get to be part of this. I'm glad you're here. And I'm super glad that Randall's here. So let me pray for him. He's going to come up and preach. We'll have communion. And uh, we'll continue celebrating the Lord and trusting him. And uh, seeking him to know what to do with wealth and pleasure power and honor. So Lord Jesus, We open our hearts and our minds to you. We open our hands to you. We thank you uh, for the creativity that that allows us to express this uh, hope that you've put within us. The music, the words and songs, the power of music to move us deeply. We pray that, Lord, you'd continue moving us through the proclamation of your word, through the presence of your Holy Spirit, as we meet you at the table in Holy Communion together today. So we thank you and praise you uh, for all your promises that you continue to keep, that you provide everything we need, from you, from the fullness of your grace, we are blessed with every blessing, and so we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome Randall Tonini. Thank you, thank
3: you. Yeah. Thank you Steve. Um, I just want to say first, uh, thank you, Steve, Janet. Um, thank you for your faithfulness to Christ, and I am uh, blessed beyond belief um, I want to thank the board of this church, uh, the faithfulness that you've shown over the process as you've prayed and diligently looked and said, God, what what do you want us to do? Uh, I want to thank La Jolla Community Church. Um, this is a wonderful church of people that believe and trust And exactly what Steve just talked about being a faithful presence and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. And so I think for all of us to come together with that same posture, like that first pastor, to have that that kneeling, holding the word of God, and declaring that in this community, what a great gift. And I hope by God's grace to gain uh, your trust, your friendship, as I'm here to serve. I am here to serve. Um, You have blessed me, my family, and many more um, that you'll get to meet and many more that maybe you won't meet. But uh, we have been blessed because as we've talked with uh, people in our circle um, that don't even go to church, that don't know much about the gospel, and they have heard about this church community wanting to do something like this, they've been encouraged, inspired, uh, because we get a lot of discouragement uh, these days when we hear about the church. But to hear a unity happening and, and, and people saying, you know what, we really believe what this says. And showing the love and grace of, of God, um, it, it's inspiring people. And my hope is that they will come to know Jesus. Um, so I want to introduce my family. Uh, this is, you guys can come on up here real quick. This is... Um, My beautiful wife, Laura, Uh, we've been married for 18 years. Uh, She is uh, a woman who um, I have grown so much from, um, just being able to see that Jesus is real in her life. She's a school teacher, teaches at La Jolla Country Day School, uh, teaches kindergarten. How many years have you been? Seven years? Yeah, <laughs> seven years. Um, these are my kids. My uh, middle child, Elle, she's eleven, and um, and then Ava, she's ten, and then uh, our son Kai is thirteen, and they all go to school across the street as well. And so uh, we're just very blessed to be in this community, and uh, very thankful for this moment. So thank you for having us this morning. Hi. Before Grace City started, um, there was a Bible study that was started from a, a group of ladies in this church, uh, CBS. And my wife, when we first got into the neighborhood, was looking to connect to a Bible study. And so she got connected to CBS and. Uh, was able to study the Word of God with you together, and she was so blessed by that time, uh, building friendships, relationships uh, with the ladies here in this community, and also uh, my kids were able to be taught the Word of God through you. And so I just want to say thank you because that was a blessing to us um, and has continued to be a blessing to us um, in your faithfulness of of sharing God's Word. Uh, So my task this morning as uh, Pastor Steve said is to share uh, this message about wealth that lasts, wealth that lasts. And as we think about wealth that lasts, also uh, I, I'm, I'm tasked to share a little bit about the vision of, of really why we're here, right? Because we also want to talk about purpose, uh, God has entrusted all of us with something that's in our hands. Uh, the word uh, that is used throughout the Bible is the word stewardship. And stewardship paints this picture that you and I are not owners, but we are stewards. We are managers. We are, we are the, the, the owner is God, and we are the ones who are stewarding what God has placed in our hands. And so God has placed some level of wealth in all of our hands, and he's asked us today, how are we going to steward that? Our text today is from Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verses 10 through 11, and so we're going to look there today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 11, 10 through 11, and I want to read our text this morning and pray before we start. But as you find your way there, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. There's many different versions, uh, but the same heart uh, behind it. And so uh, we're going to start in verse 10 in chapter 11. Here's what it says. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is true, and that as uh, we read this today, uh, we pray that you will open up the scriptures to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, We believe that you are with us, Lord, and we just thank you for your word, which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and so pierce our hearts today so that we may worship and proclaim Jesus. Uh, We pray this in his name. Amen. So some of the questions we ask today as we come in here is maybe where are we going or, or what's the heart uh, and direction for us as a church community? Uh, for Grace City, one of the things that we say often is our, our church and our, our vision is, is to be this, uh, to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus, uh, there's a few parts to this. We, we are a church, lowercase c. We're the, we have, we are a part of much something, something much grander. We're a part of the big C church, right? So we're not the only church, but we want to be a faithful, local expression of God's church and the community he's placed us in. But we ultimately want to be about the big C church. We also want to be a church that's for our city. So what, what happens sometimes is that churches, sadly, become more about themselves than they do about others. And so one of the things that we say is that we want to be a church that loves our community with no strings attached. The reason is, is because we believe that we serve a God who has loved us with no strings attached, right? He's given us his love and his grace through the person of Jesus. And then ultimately, we we believe that all this comes together by seeking new life in Jesus. Jesus has a life for us that's much more abundant. Um, He's promised that to us in John 10, right? He says um, that I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And so how do we live this life, like we're talking about when we think about wealth, more abundantly? Well, Proverbs chapter 11 is a guide when it comes to how we steward what God has placed in our hands. And this also gives us purpose because we believe that God is doing something new and exciting in our lives all the time. You see, God is at work at all times. Are we listening? I love the picture that C.S. Lewis paints in Mere Christianity. He says this. He, He talks about the difference between a cottage and a palace. And here's what he says. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he's building a palace. He intends to come in and live in it himself. You see, one of the phrases that we use when we think about our our homes or our wealth or our possessions, we think, well, that's my home. That's mine. That's my security. But what God says is, no, your security is not found in those things, but I'm actually building something out that's much bigger than you can see, and I'm coming to live inside of you because your home is in God. What does Jesus say in John 15? He says to abide in me. We talked about this this weekend at our men's retreat. We talked about this idea that God is, you think of this, this phrase, uh, come to my humble abode. What is that? A place you live. Jesus says, you are meant to be my humble abode. I've come to live in you. See, what all of this is, uh, is about at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about God building his people up and coming to live in us. So Proverbs 11, 10-11, what does that have to do with what we're talking about here? Well, to give some background, the book of Proverbs is mainly written by King Solomon. Um, It tells us that in uh, Proverbs 1-1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And so what we get here is royal wisdom. This is someone who's accomplished and done more than we could ever imagine. And God has tasked him with writing down these words for us today to pass on this wisdom. And so as we come to this text today, we, we, we need to know that this is, this is wisdom that, is, that has been vetted. right? This is God's wisdom. Uh, Solomon got this kind of wisdom because he asked God. We find this out in 2 Chronicles 1, 1 Kings 3, where he, he asked God. God says, you can ask for anything, I'm going to give you wisdom. That's what he wanted, wisdom. So this ancient text today gives us this beautiful picture of God's vision for his people, living as people, in particular, it says, for the city. Did you see that? It says city here. And so when we think of cities, cities did not come up in the minds of people, but actually the mind of God. God created cities. And so God is meant to be at the center of of the cities to to worship and honor him, and that's actually what we see at the end in the book of Revelation. But it also teaches us to live as a people that steward things well so that the wealth that we have lasts. It's eternal. It's used for kingdom purposes. So what does that look like? Well, let's ask three questions from the text today. And so if you're writing down notes, the first one is this. Number one, if we're reading this text, who are the righteous? Number two, how do they live? Number three, what are the results? So we break down this text today for these three points. Who are the righteous? How do they live? and, And what are the results? So the first one is, who are the righteous? Look at verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, what's happening here? Well, first it it says when it goes well. Uh, One commentator, Bruce Waltke, says that that prosperity sums up all the concrete manifestations of the things people desire. Right? So there's things that we desire. God knows that. Talks about that um, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, like God knows our needs. Here's what he ends with. He says, ultimately, their prosperity is not at humanity's disposal, but due to God's grace. Due to God's grace. That what God has placed in our hands is not because of ourselves, but it's actually by the grace of God. When we think about grace, grace is the undeserved favor and kindness of God upon our lives. We didn't earn it. See, when we think about prosperity in our lives, many times we go to think first, it's I did that. I accomplished that. It's mine because all of the things that I've done. But the Apostle Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? Right? The gifts and the abilities and all those things are something that God has placed in your hands, and God has placed in my hands. We didn't come up with this, but He gave it to us as a good gift. And so, when it goes well with the righteous, now this is a distinct group of people that it's talking about here. The word for righteous is the word Sadiq uh, in the Hebrew. It's a word used throughout the Old Testament to describe people who are uh, the doers of justice, uh, they have a moral compass, uh, they have integrity. Now, how does someone become a righteous person uh, according to the Bible? Well, um, is it that they were just kind of good people with a moral compass, naturally, who just cleaned up their life, Uh, gone to church their whole life, maybe been a member of a church their whole life? Uh, The answer would be no. See, the righteous are people who have received God's righteousness by faith. They've received God's righteousness. See, naturally, it says in Romans 3, Psalm 14, Psalm 53, that no one is righteous, not even one. Okay, so we're talking about a group of people here who are very different. How did they become this way? It's because of God. God did that. Psalm 37, 39 says, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is the stronghold in time of trouble. Now, the Siddiq are not self-righteous, self-made people, but they've been made righteous by God. See, this is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. What we find is that as we think about the gospel, it first reminds us that we were made from the dust. Right? You, didn't, you and I didn't do this. We couldn't have created ourselves. We couldn't have done it ourselves takes us to the dust, right? That's from the beginning. But it also lifts us to the skies. It says God values you and loves you more than the dirt on the ground. But he's lifted you up. And he's made you righteous. See, righteousness in God's economy is not, is, 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 let me say that again. Righteousness in God's economy is received, not achieved. It's received, not achieved. And what this does is this reorders everything within our hearts and our lives and it actually makes us different people, more humble, generous, loving, grateful, forgiving. See, as God makes us righteous through Jesus, he sends us into the world with his humility, with his generosity, with his love, with his gratefulness, with his forgiveness, See, how do we become righteous? Well, it's by confessing our unrighteousness and clinging tightly to the righteousness of God. God, I need you every day. And so when it goes well with the righteous, so that's who the righteous are. These are the ones that are holding on to God. Second, how do the righteous live? Well, look at verses 10 and 11 here. It says, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. Well, let's start with verse 10 Uh, again. Why would the city rejoice when the righteous are doing well? You see, the text tells us that the righteous here are flourishing. There's more and more things being placed and entrusted in their hands. Now, the question is, why would the city rejoice about this? Shouldn't they be jealous when they think, why them, not me? Why do the people rejoice? They, 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 they rejoice because the righteous are willing to let go of the ring for the sake of others. You say, what do, I mean? What, what do you mean by that? Well, at the beginning of the film, uh, The Fellowship of the Rings, which is based on the fantasy book series by J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, is this old sage, and, and he's speaking with uh, Bilbo Baggins, uh, a friend who is, he's known for a long time who carries this powerful ring. And Gandalf says to him, I think you should leave the ring behind, Bilbo. Is that so hard? Bilbo says, well, no and yes. Now that it comes to it, I, I don't feel like parting with it. It's mine. I found it. It came to me. Gandalf says, there's no need to get angry. Bilbo comes back, well, if I'm angry, it's your fault. It's mine, my business, my precious. Gandalf says, precious. It's been called that before, but not by you. Bilbo says, oh, what business is it of yours What I do with my things? Gandalf says, I think you've had that ring quite long enough. And then Bilbo says, you, you want it for yourself. And if you've seen this scene in the the movie, uh, Gandalf starts to become bigger and more intimidating and says this, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. When the righteous let go of the ring and entrust it over to God, we find that, a God, that God is not there trying to hurt us, but He's actually trying to help us. See, you and I weren't meant to carry that ring. Now back to the question, why do the people rejoice? Well, Amy Sherman says this. She says the sadakim or the sadiq the, the righteous, are defined as those who are so in love with God and his kingdom that they steward everything they have, uh, their assets, their social position, their vocational skills, their power, their gifts, their prosperity, not for self-enrichment, not for the purpose of self-aggrandizement, but for the common good. And when the people at the top of the city act like this, then, of course, the whole city rejoices. The people at the bottom rejoice because they benefit by the way the Sadakim stewards their gifts. They make life better for everyone. The righteous. See, they don't see things as their own, but as God's. And through that, the city is blessed. See, they share the wealth, opportunity, possessions they have with others. You see, this is about action. The righteous are tangibly making a difference and decisions that aren't for themselves but for the good of others. And they're not just talking about it. They're getting out there. Have you ever been blessed by someone who didn't need to do something but they did it for you anyway? For your good, not for their own. life-changing. Verse 11 is a contrast of the righteous, and here's what it says, but by the mouth of the wicked it is overthrown. The verse tells us about uh, what the Bible describes as the wicked, and and we'll recognize them by their, their words. See, words are powerful. Lies, deception, gossip, manipulation. The mouth of the wicked now, do you know the thing about those who love causing dissension and controversy? They usually have a lot to say, but don't do much to help others. Don't, they're not really there to build others up. See, this verse says that that type of attitude can either build up a city or destroy it. Bible scholar Bruce Waltke points out, he says that the Bible says that the very definition of righteous people is that they disadvantage themselves to advantage others, while the wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. But as believers in Jesus, we are not called to sit back, criticize, or consume for our own sake, but we're called to jump in and help those in need. Lastly, what's the result? When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. The result of righteous people that disadvantage themselves for the sake of others is twofold. It says that there's rejoicing. Um, The city rejoices. Now, the word rejoice in verse 10 is this little verse... um, that helps us uh, understand something that's that's much deeper and, and it is built in not just temporary happiness, but real joy. Again, Amy Sherman says this. She says, now the word rejoice in verse 10 is very important. It's a unique term used only one other time in the Old Testament. It has almost military connotations. And that denotes the ecstatic rejoicing and celebrating that a small people do when they achieve an unlikely victory against their enemies it describes the exaltation that people express when they have been delivered from the hand of their oppressors so rejoice here is a big robust word it's a deep passionate rejoicing not the rejoicing of happy birthday party but v-day rejoicing dancing in the streets of paris dancing the war is over we won, rejoicing. My grandfather, Henry Joseph Tonini, uh, was a prisoner of war in World War II. He was a part of what was famously called the March. It was 80,000 POWs that were forced to march um, through Poland, Czechoslovakia, Germany, in extreme winter conditions. It was over a four-month span. And one day, my grandfather was opening up to my cousin and told him, he said, hey, while I was marching, I was ready to give up. So you would gotten hit in the back, and there's this huge... Um, flesh wound on his back and he's bleeding out and he's marching his feet are hurting just everything is falling apart and he said as he was marching ready to give up he looked down into the snow and found a cross and he picked up that cross and he said the moment he picked up that cross it gave him hope that he was going to survive and not too long later he was rescued I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that cross in the snow. If that hope that he'd given up on but was found in the cross that he found, and I know to be Jesus Christ, wasn't there that day. And the celebration that he felt in his heart and, and that ensued from that point Bless not just him in that moment and those that were saved, but still blesses me today. See, what did Jesus come to do? Luke 4, 18 through 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What? It's our responsibility to take everything that God has given us to steward so that we can be in alignment with this. Lord Jesus, set people free from the oppression, from the hurt, from the pain that they feel on a daily basis because of sin. You were the one who came to free us. And so the question is, as a people, will we pick up that cross and say, Lord, this is what I'm going to hold on to, and I'm going to let go of everything else so that you can build a home in your people, and we can trust you with everything you've given us. Because it says, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Another translation for this is, by... Or for by is the word through. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. And so my hope and my prayer is that through what happens here in us, that God does in us and through us, we can be a blessing to many from generation to generation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that it is found in you, that we have the greatest blessing of all, and that righteousness is found in you, and that you offer it to us as a free gift of your grace. We pray this all in Christ's name, amen.
2: Good word, Randall, thank you. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus brought his disciples together for that final meal, called the Last Supper. Um, This event that we celebrate, we call it either Holy Communion, this time of being in the presence of God, Uh, it's called the Lord's Supper because it commemorates that final meal. Uh, Some of you know it uh, as the Eucharist, Uh, just thanks, Eucharisto, thank you. And so he, he taught them over a long period of time that evening and he knew what they were going to see in the remaining part of the evening and the next day. And so he wanted to calm them and focus them. He wanted to equip them and empower them. How do you do that? And he did it simply by taking this bread at the end of a long meal. Uh, we know it now as the Seder. Uh, seder means order in Hebrew, every year Passover. Is celebrated with a Seder dinner. And it's the order. The order it walks everybody at the dinner through what God did to save and liberate Israel. That becomes the the picture, the paradigm, the architecture for what Jesus did coming into the world to save it. And so the people, you know, the disciples understood exactly what was going on in this meal, but Jesus took it to a whole place they never expected. And so when he took the bread Uh, this unleavened matzah, he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, later in the meal, he took the cup and having blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new relationship, the fulfilled promise of God by my blood. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And you wonder why is it simply a looking back fondly sentimental moment no it's, it's looking back to say oh, that's, that's my identity is it a superstitious thing gosh if we don't do this things won't go well no it's a grounding reorienting reframing refocusing moment to say that's right it's the Lord whom I serve it's the Lord who saves me uh, that's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount could say, you know, don't save up your treasure in things that moths or rust or anything else can deface or spoil, or thieves can break in and steal. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will follow. Everything that you need, the desires of your heart will be fulfilled. And you'll have the wealth that lasts. So this is the promise in Holy Communion. This is the wealth that lasts. It's as if he puts the ring on our finger and says, you are my beloved. You belong to me. Whenever you're panicked, whenever you're confused, whenever you're conflicted, whenever you feel like you're, you need to compromise, dilute, and disobey my word, remember, I belong to him. So that's why he says, do this in remembrance of me. We keep doing it because it's a present reality. It's a deep, deep mystery wrapped in an enigma. God himself comes into the world somehow, fully God, fully man. He sacrifices himself for us. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And then he says, I will be with you always. You're saved, as Randall said, for a purpose, to do something in you, to do something through you. I said, that's what we want to remember every time we gather as his people. I need to remember who I am because he is present in in these elements. He's not bound by them. He's not diminished in them. He's not captured within them. But somehow God is in this place and God is in this moment. And as you receive this bread, this cup, know that God is with you. God is in you. God is for you. We can't explain it away we can't resolve it so it's super simple to understand all we can say is we stand sit kneel prostrate ourselves before a mystery that god is here god is with us god is enough god himself is the wealth that lasts so lord jesus as we consecrate these elements to you as our, as we consecrate ourselves to you as we consecrate these two churches to you as we recognize and consecrate the church in san diego the church throughout San Diego County, the church throughout California, across the United States, around the world. Lord, raise up the righteous to bless the city, to bless the counties, to bless the states, to bless the country. We pray for a wave, a beautiful, refreshing, powerful, uplifting wave of renewal and revival to sweep through these congregations in this country uh, and this whole world. And so, Lord, as we come before you, we recognize that you are everything we need, everything we yearn for. Your sufficiency is more than sufficient. Your enough is way more than enough. And by your grace, we are absolutely healed and saved and sanctified for a purpose, uh, for a mission, to walk with you, to love you, to enjoy you, and out of that, to bless the city and bless the world in your name. You're the one blessing it. we get to walk with you as partners in this incredible exercise of remembering who we are, to whom we belong, and what our great purpose is in you. So we pray this and, and commit ourselves to you in Jesus' is high and holy name. Amen. So if, if the people serving communion would come forward, and you know we, we normally would offer bread and a cup. In this case, because of COVID and beyond, we're, we've sort of sanitized it. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, let God meet you. Take that, that little kit and come, go back to your seat and, and, and reflect on it. How does God want to meet you? Let this be not only a moment to receive his grace and re- be renewed in it, but to offer yourself to him. And then the music will play. We'll worship him in music and song. And then we'll give you a benediction as you go. So come forward whenever you're ready to receive Holy Communion. embrace if, if you don't know the Lord, if you are hearing this for the first time, or you know you've heard it so many times and you've been holding off and pushing him away, today's the day. Uh, open your heart and your mind to him. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Simply see Jesus, come into my life. Uh, I want to respond to your embrace. I, I know that you alone can forgive my sin. You alone can fulfill the desires of my heart. Uh, you alone can align me with my purpose in life. Perhaps you've been far from him and you think, oh, it's too late for me, I, I don't deserve it. I get over that thought. <laughs> it's never too late. Today's a homecoming for you, perhaps. Turn to him, come back to him. Remember him, the one who loves you. Look at that ring he put on your finger, the ring of salvation, encircling you with his love. And maybe if everything is going so perfectly for you, you think, you know, I've really achieved everything I thought I could achieve. Um, maybe park that thought for a bit a moment And remember that it's Him in you that gives you the capacity to do all those wonderful things you are doing and enjoying the the fruit of. It's Him that you thank today. If we can pray for you or anything that concerns you, go right out around the corner. There's a lovely prayer garden. There'll be people there who would like to have a prayer with you. It's not awkward. It's not weird. It's just really nice to be able to say, I don't even know what to say. Just pray for me. Or here's what I'm concerned about. Would you pray about that? Then go get something to eat, drink, hang out, talk. Say hi to the Tonini family. And maybe uh, if you see somebody you don't know, you know you should know their name, but you don't get over that. And just say, you know, I don't know your name. I hardly know my own name. <laughs> Good to see you, I'm glad you're here. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine, give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
4: My heart will sing.